listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm Jessica O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist. Today I want to shout out WeVibe because this sex toy company based in Canada is celebrating 10 years of making some pretty incredible toys that are in millions of homes across the globe, including my own, of course. And I'd say my current favorite WeVibe toy is the Wish. And Brandon would disagree. Well, he doesn't use the Wish, but (laughs) his favorite is the Pivot. So check them out. They've also produced a really cool newsletter that's going out right now full of advice from from me. (laughs) And it's all about how to have more play in your relationship, how to eroticize your daily interactions, and basically how to keep the passion alive. Science-based techniques that are actually fun. So check them out. You can sign up for the newsletter or just check out what they're doing over at wevibe.com. Now, if you have found my podcast via Instagram or stumbled upon it because you attended one of my workshops or speeches, you may not know that I used to host a reality show for Playboy TV. And the show was called Swing, and it was a true, (laughs) true reality show, unlike many others, in that it wasn't scripted. And the producers didn't try to manipulate the cast into doing things to, you know, create drama. Because we didn't need drama because, well, we had sex. Uh, Well, I didn't have sex. I mean, there was sex on the show. So the the show focused on, on swinging and it featured a group of experienced swinger couples living in a massive house in the Hollywood Hills Uh, for seasons one to three, and then we moved to Vegas for seasons four and five of the show. And every weekend or so, a new couple would arrive at the swing house because they wanted to learn more about swinging, or we also call it the lifestyle, or they wanted to try it for the first time. So my job as the host was to welcome them and answer some of their questions. I would probe them a little to help them to continue the conversation and prepare them for an evening spent with these more experienced swingers. So some of these newbie couples, as we called them, were really ready to dive headfirst into the world of swinging, and others were more cautious. And either way, I'd encourage them to proceed a little bit slowly and, of course, take care of themselves and their relationship first and foremost. So I'd spend part of the day with them, and at the end of the day, I'd leave, and they'd be left to spend some time with the in-house swingers and decide whether or not maybe they wanted to try playing or even swapping with another couple, or two in some cases. So I'd be back at my hotel sleeping, and they would have their fun. (laughs) And so the next day, I would return for the show, and I would chat with them about their experience. I helped to answer any questions, and I would encourage them to to talk openly and intimately with, with one another about this experience. 
the good and the bad and sometimes the ugly, but mostly it was fairly positive. And I'd prompt them to talk about their vulnerabilities and ask questions and ask for support from their partner and, of course, verbalize their commitment to one another because they had just experienced this rather intense evening. And in most cases, they were in the process of considering whether or not swinging was a good fit for them. And at the end of the show, I'd have to ask the cheesy question, was this just a fling or do you think you want to swing again? Ha ha ha. And most couples, almost all of them opted for the latter. And it was, it was really a cool project to work on. And I learned a lot uh, along the way about not just about television production, but about people's relationships and the way they interact in high-intensity situations like at the swing house. Now, this show wasn't my first foray into hanging out at swinger parties. I, in fact, had been to many, many before. But because I hosted swing and viewers saw me coaching and supporting these newbie couples, these wannabe couples, these not-so-sure-if-we-want-to-be couples, swinger couples, I now receive many, many messages asking me about swinging, and the most common question I receive is one that is actually quite simple to answer on the surface. This doesn't happen very often, and that is, how do I convince my partner to become a swinger? or some permutation of that. And my initial answer to this question is is very simple and straightforward. You don't convince anyone to do anything. If they're going to do anything, they need to do it of their own volition and isn't that hotter in and of itself. But there are many layers to this conversation and it's not as simple as you're asking, babe, Will you swing with me? And your pants, your pants are your partner replying, babe, no, I won't. And that's the end of the conversation because that's not a particularly fruitful conversation. There is a lot more to discuss and to delve a little bit deeper. I've asked my friend and fellow sexologist, Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce, To join me, Dr. Nancy is a holistic clinical sexologist, among many other titles. And I had the pleasure of meeting her on board the Desire Barcelona cruise last month. In fact, she was taking care of me a little bit as I was under the weather. Nancy, how are you? Oh, great, Jess. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for being here. Have you recovered from our European adventures? Well, you know, I had an extra week to play and, and, uh, and rest. So yes, I'm, I am and I'm ready to go back. <laughs> well, that's right. I saw your photos on Facebook. And this was your first Desire Cruise, correct? It was. Yes. I hope not my last. Oh, oh good. I hope you join. We're, we're going on another one soon um, out of Monte Carlo. I think that's next year. So hopefully you'll be there. And I'm I know... So. Yeah, even as educators or, or facilitators, however we see ourselves, we're always learning. So since it was your first Desire Cruise, I thought I'd ask, what was your, what was your takeaway in terms of messaging or relationship philosophy or any practical advice you picked up on the Desire Cruise? Well, I think one of the things that I learned on the Desire Cruise was any lifestyle 
um, event has so many variations of the lifestyle within it from couples that are just wanting to spice their own relationship up a little bit to couples that are interested in full swinging swapping experiences and you can't assume that everybody there is into the same thing so there's so much to learn from each other in that kind of a setting yeah that's really interesting i that really applies in any environment right if you go to a bar and you go dancing there are people who are there looking to pick up for the night there are people who just want to dance with their friends. There are people who are looking for their soulmate. Uh, we just can't make assumptions about what anybody's into anymore. Right. But I think there's a lot of assumptions made about anything that says lifestyle, you know, that, that that's still equated with full swinging couple. And, and yet we, we all know that, that have been teaching this for a while, that, that, that there's many variations. Yeah, so. I guess. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I th especially with the younger couples that I met, and I met a lot of younger couples on the cruise, uh, probably, you know, they, they may gravitate to Brandon and I because we're a little bit younger. Um, but a lot of them were saying that they're in the lifestyle, but it's lifestyle light. They're just coming to the events, having a good time, definitely not interested in the full swap, and it's not even on the horizon for them. Right, right. They just want a sexier life. You know, don't we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, much of life isn't very sexy. So it's, it's nice to add some spice now and then. Well, that's true. We have to go out of our way to make it sexy, don't we? We do. It does require a conscious effort. You know, when you talk about couples all being in different places with different intentions on the cruise and everywhere we go, but specifically in the lifestyle, I have heard people at some parties complain that other couples aren't doing enough or that they're not real swingers or that, right. you know, how, how, what are they doing here if they don't want to do what I want to do? I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I, th I think there's, I, in as much as we would like to think the lifestyle community is a non-judgmental, open-minded uh, sampling of humanity, there are still some very judgmental, uh, narrow-minded people. And it's, it's a public bus. So you're always <laughs> going to have the variations in how people see the world. And I think that's where our role as educators is to come into these events, which I'm so glad that Desires and these other places are doing. Because there's so much education that needs to happen, as you know, that even on the issue of consent, you know, it's a, that, that's a really important topic. And a lot of people still don't really get how exactly to, to bring that to life. Right. Yeah. Certainly in lifestyle environments, there are people who are really uh, strong at coming up to you and saying, Hey, I'd like to talk, or are you interested in dancing or we're interested in you? What are your boundaries? And then there are others, of course, who like people outside of the lifestyle just start with the reach around or the grind upon or they, they, they touch first, ask second. Yes. Which yes. of course, you know, is, is not consent. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And, and, you know, so I'm a big fan of the lifestyle. Um, but I have some major concerns, which I may have voiced in a previous podcast. I'm not sure with regard to painting the lifestyle as the ideal solution to monogamy as though everyone in the lifestyle is more evolved or better at communicating. And that's certainly not the case. No, no. And, and I think, you know, that 
for me, the, the word lifestyle just means that you're curious and you're looking for other options to design your relationship a little differently. Well, that makes, that makes sense to me. I'm on board with that. So if we take it back to the question at hand, mm-hmm. you heard me repark upon these inquiries, hundreds of inquiries I receive, mm-hmm. and they are mostly from men. who want their wives to swing. So I've used gender neutral language, but ultimately it's usually men asking, Jess, how do I convince her to swing? And I imagine you run into this same query in your work. I sure do. do. Yeah, how do you respond? Well, I was was giggling as I was hearing you say your answer because that's verbatim my answer. First of all, you don't (laughs) ever convince anybody to do anything. So, I mean, that's um, the the person that's thinking that they have the right to convince somebody to do something, that has to be addressed first and foremost, Mm. because we don't have that right in any situation. So we we have the right to invite, we have the right to have a conversation, but we do not have the right to convince or coerce somebody into doing something that they're not enthusiastically consenting to. Right. And so first we have to have that conversation about consent, because if that's where you are in your mindset, how are you going to do anything as fun and as exhilarating, but also as risky right. as swinging? Yeah. It's not going to, it won't, it won't work for that person because they're, 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 they have a particular need, a personal need that they want filled. And they're not concerned about their partner's needs. Right. So it's an individual, individualistic versus a unified approach. Right. Right. So and that's the first piece to address. Yes. Because, in, I mean, obviously in the lifestyle, people that have successful uh, open lifestyle relationships, they do have phenomenally better communication. That's why it's successful. Um, right. But those skills don't just arrive when you say, hey, we're swingers. (laughs) No, no. You have to practice it on a lot of other topics that aren't so um, weighted. Right. You start these conversations about boundaries, about needs, about desires Mm -hmm. in a safer environment. Like some of us can't even tell our partners what we want to eat. Right, right. Right. And so if you can't even express that you want a glass of orange juice. Exactly. (laughs) how are you going to say, yes, I want this person. No, I don't want that person. Yes, I was comfortable with this on Thursday. No, I'm not comfortable with it today. Exactly. So I've worked with women a lot around the world for many years. And one of the things that seems universal is women typically don't know what they want. They know what they don't want. But when you ask specifically, what do you want? They have a much harder time um, articulating that partially because they've never been asked. Right. And I would think partially because we've been told that we need to be selfless, that the complete yes. strong woman is selfless. Right. And, and it's, it's interesting because we, I often talk about the fact that we've, we've morphed from a culture of sexual takers to a culture of sexual givers, and we don't even know how to receive pleasure. And if, you can't receive pleasure. How do you have a reciprocal relationship? Right. right. So in this scenario, mm-hmm. I had mentioned also that, you know, a simple yes or no isn't always going to resolve discrepancies in desire. 
uh, whether that be for monogamy or something monogamish or some form of an open relationship. So how do you suggest couples have these more complex and ongoing conversations? Where do they start? If they are interested in exploring the potential, the possibility of opening up. First and foremost, they have to be able to agree on ground rules. Um, you know, if, if, they, if they can come together and set aside some time and really create a safe space from which they can both be authentic and they can speak their truth without fear of retribution or judgment or rejection, that, that's, that's the starting point. Because if they can't even dis agree that and hold to it with little things, you know, if somebody says, well, I really didn't want to paint the house brown, I wanted it yellow. And then for years, that's being thrown in the other person's face. Then th that couple has a lot of work to do before they can move into something as, as, uh, as a hot topic as, as swinging or the lifestyle. So, so really, they need some basic communication agreements and respect agreements that whatever they say within that within that agreed upon space is sacred and to be respected and accepted you don't have to answer right away in fact i suggest people don't when somebody presents something to you that might might jolt you or might be something you didn't expect you need to be able to say thank you for sharing that with me i'll get back to you on that mm -hmm. so you have you have time to assimilate it and process it on your own before you come back and have a, have a discussion. You might, even, you might not even know what they ask you. You might have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> right, like CBT. Yeah, it's like what? <laughs> the, the sexual kind, not the psychological kind. So, see, so for people, CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy, um, and CBT is also cock and ball torture. <laughs> so if your partner says, hey, are you into CBT? You're going to have to do some uh, not only Googling, but delineating what they actually mean. Yes, yes. So you mentioned that they need to develop this communication skill outside of the sexual realm, and I talk about this often. Um, but how do you even know if you are good communicators? Because a couple very rarely comes to you, to me at least, and says, we're really bad at communicating. They always come and say, we're great communicators. We say everything. We tell each other everything. And then you start talking to them. And yes, their mouths are moving and sounds are coming out, but they're not really listening. They're not communicating um, with empathy, with with, I guess, they're not being effective. How, how can you tell if you're in that space where your communication is strong enough to even begin this conversation? Well, I like to watch people have a conversation. And, and you know, like, I, I'll, I, won't, I won't counsel just a man alone. If he, if he reaches out and says, I want to convince my wife, can you, how, do you, how can I get my wife to X, Y, Z? I say, well, bring your wife on and let's have a conversation. And if they won't do it, then I know that this isn't, this isn't going to work. You know, that he, he wants me to tell him it's okay to force her and I'm not going to do that. So that's not going to work out. But if he's willing to bring her into the arena, then I ask them to start, start having a conversation so I can watch how they're interacting. And then I can point out to them, okay, here's where you weren't hearing what she said. She didn't feel heard. She felt shut down and she stopped talking. Do you see how that's cutting off your communication? 
So no matter how much she might want to hear you, this technique that you're using is not, you're never going to get what you want. Right. So, but you have to be able to observe people having that, that conversation or at least hear from both sides how, thing, how they're perceiving what they're hearing. You know, if they're just yelling at each other as if that were communicating, you know, and ha but it's more like you, you spoke to it, it, it's more important how they listen. Right. How, how well they hear not only the words being said, but what's being said beneath the words. And that requires right. some skill sets. Right. These skills need to be developed from the get-go, right? Like these yes. are skills you should be developing with your friends when you're 10 years old, when you're six years old. Absolutely. Foundational Absolutely. skills. A consent classes need to start in, in preschool. You Absolutely. Know. Yeah. Consent to just getting a hug or consent to right. a kiss or consent to roughhousing. So let, let's say you have a couple and they are strong at communicating, but they do disagree on this topic. So one of them wants an open relationship or wants to swing as they often put it in their emails. The other doesn't. Um, how do you even ask your partner without pressuring them and without feeling as though you're trying to sell or manipulate or convince. How do you do that without pressure, but still honoring your own needs? Because you also have a right to express your own desires. Right. Very true. Well, I think then, then you have to go into negotiation. You know, what aspects of the swinging lifestyle are you most interested in? Are you most interested in, you know, starting off just being around other couples that may be more open, that you can have open conversations with to learn? Are you interested in an actual sexual experience? What does that sexual experience look like to you? Um, are you just interested in watching people have sex, being watched having sex? I mean, there's so many variations that if you can get a person to pin down maybe their, their, their step-off point, then that might be more easily negotiated than if they just say, I want the swinging lifestyle, which leaves so much unknown that would, that might more likely than not will scare their other partner. Yeah, that, that really makes sense. And when, when somebody comes and says, I want my wife to swing with me, I often wonder, well, have you really considered what that entails for you? Because <laughs> you're, you're thinking about the fact that, okay, you're going to have sex with another woman. But right. have, you, have you considered how you're going to feel when your partner has sex with another person as well, whatever that gender may be? Oftentimes, let's, let's be honest, in swinging, it's often the woman playing with the man, the woman playing with women. That's often the way it, it lands on the mattress. Right. Uh, certainly not always, but it's so, sometimes I wonder if people see my show or hear about these parties and think that it's really simple and it's just about the sex, but there are so many layers to it and there's so much nuance and there's the excitement. Uh, you and I have talked about this personally. Like for me, what I love about the environment is just like the teasing, the dance, the energy, the, the, the people who are open to experiencing something beyond what has been prescribed to us. Right. And I wonder if these people have even considered this. Do you run into that where people are like, I want to swing, but they haven't really considered all of the intricacies involved? I, I don't think they can until they have a conversation with somebody that actually knows about it. Because like you said, on a show... We are, we're only seeing the surface or when you read about it in a magazine, you're hearing about the sex party, but you're not hearing about how they, how that couple got to that sex party. And then what happened after that sex party and, 
and how that affected their relationship. Did it make it better? Did it make it worse? Are they still together? You know, what right. you know, because that those are really important questions. This is a high, it's a high risk uh, jump if you're not really well prepared. It's still high risk, even if you're well prepared, but you're, you have to weigh your risk uh, benefit ratio. And if you go into it, at least with your eyes wide open, and I think going into it in little steps, you know, it's like um, you think about when you're a teenager and you first start uh, uh, dating and, and you just, just the brush of somebody's hand can light you up and then holding hands and then a little kiss. And I mean, there's those steps that are all so erotically charged. <clears throat> so for a couple to go from total monogamy to jumping into a full swap swinging situation, they've missed a lot of little pieces that could, that could really heat up their relationship that don't feel so threatening. I, I like that. I like the idea of breaking it down into pieces. So let's say one of you wants to swing, the other doesn't want to. Uh, you're not at an impasse because you're both opening, open to meeting one another's needs. What are some of the things people can do besides, you know, we keep using that language, the full swap. Um, so for people who don't know, the full swap is generally when two couples get together and they swap partners and have, generally, we call it intercourse. I mean, that's not the only thing to do. Um, that would be at the, the very, I think, end of the spectrum. Right. What are some of the things in between that people can do that you would recommend that you see your clients thrive with? Well, I, I see people go to like a desire cruise or a, a lifestyle friendly resort on a vacation where it's, they're surrounded by adults. They're in a relaxed environment. They have time to kind of adapt to the various options available to them. They're around a lot of other couples that are living very sexy, that like to dress sexy, talk sexy. Um, maybe it's clothing optional, so they'll get to see a lot of different naked bodies, which is pretty hot. And then they might actually even see people having sexual time. Just those visuals and those, that new scenery can bring a lot out in a couple that might have been hiding. And so I would just say start with something that's, um, in, and you can even back that up even further and start off by reading erotica together or right. reading porn or watching some porn that brings in some of those fantasies and then have a conversation about it or incorporate that into your sexual time and see what that feels like. Cause the mind is the biggest sex organ. So, you know, you can use that to enhance any sexual time. I've had a lot of people that I've met over the years who even thought fantasy was cheating Right. And, you know, you go, wow, you're missing out on so much fun stuff. You have to feel guilty about your fantasies, which are so natural. And you're right. So if, they, if people can get past their guilt and shame over things like that, and they can bring that in, that might satisfy a lot of those, those needs to just have a hot, hotter sexual experience. So I think about these retreats and resorts, and I know you have a retreat coming up in June in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. at hedonism it's very soon isn't it yes next week okay so what is this uh this is an exotic lifestyle retreat for women yes it's for for single women and then men who appreciate and adore women and want to learn more about how to respect and honor women wow so 
it's a, a lot of a lot do a lot of work around women who've had um, some kind of sexual trauma or gone through a divorce or have lost their uh, their sent their self confidence and they want to get their sexy back and so we do a lot of uh, female empowering workshops and getting back into the, the sensual pleasures of life and then I teach men how to be with women who are tender in that way and need that reinforcement and support to come back to their full sexual potential. So do couples come to this too? I do have. I've about, I have about five couples in my group this year. I usually have about 50 or 60 guests. And this year we have five couples. So the couples are, more and more couples are coming because more and more women want to have some of that goddess love. <laughs> yes, why not? Now, okay, so I, I think that's amazing. And I just encourage people to check that out. Having said that, a lot of people are not ready to dive in and go to a retreat or go to a resort. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason they feel such intense, I think, reticence and fear is that you can go to the resort and yes, you can watch and be around the people. But I think a lot of people feel that their partner is going to pressure them to be more, to do more. So I imagine you recommend a conversation in advance about what is, What's on the table, what's off the table, and how you're going to handle uh, perhaps any discrepancies that arise? Oh, definitely. Lots of conversations. And, uh, you know, the thing that shocked me the first time um, we went to hedonism was that it's really female dominant. So women, women rule there. And that was very reassuring to me because women typically are the ones that are going to hold back a little bit because of our, our fears of losing our husband or losing our or, you know, whatever we're afraid of. Um, and that women really make the rules and, and that's very well respected. So I, I work a lot with women to be able to go there and say, okay, if I'm uncomfortable, my no really is going to put a stop to this. Actually, both no's would, either mm -hmm. one, but so that we can have a conversation. So they don't feel, and, and it's just not tolerated for men to pressure women into doing anything or vice versa. Yeah, I want, I want to add to that because it's interesting, oftentimes, because I've watched so many couples through this process, oftentimes it's the guy who says, yeah, yeah, I want to do this, I'm 100%, nothing can go wrong, and then she's expected to be the gatekeeper, which I have a bit of a problem with, but right. then when they get on that mattress, <laughs> or in my case, when they get into the red room, it is often him who, free, he freezes up, he right. gets nervous, he feels uncomfortable. And because we don't make a lot of space for men to express these vulnerabilities, it can be more difficult to overcome that gender, that reversal of gender. And so I think it's so important that we acknowledge that like this can work for men, this can work for women, this can work for people of all genders. And it also doesn't work for anyone. Like there are a lot of guys who have no interest in this. Right, right. Yeah, because I, I mean, a lot there, I've met several couples there that were there because she wanted to go. Great. Yeah. So Great. I mean, most, most men, if, if their spouse says, Hey, let's go do this. I, I rarely heard a man that would say, absolutely not. If, if, you know, if he's married to somebody that would be curious about that, probably he would be like, yes. Okay. Let's go. Let's go try it. But, but it can happen. I mean, oh, yeah. I've nobody definitely wants met men. to feel pressured, you know. No, and I've, I've met many men who have no interest in this, who are turned off by it, and that's okay too. Yes. Yeah. So if we go right back to our question to wrap up, yeah. um, how do I convince my partner 
to, to swing with me. What if you actually are at an impasse and one of you absolutely does not want to have this conversation, maybe he's, is even offended by it, they want monogamy, and the other is pretty sure they want some form of non-monogamy. What then? Well, that's when I, when I say to people, well, I, when you had the consensual monogamy discussion, and they usually say, well, we never had that. <laughs> <laughs> I say, well, now you're going to have it because you need to redefine what monogamy means to you. And, you, and you're going to have to put in some flexibility because you both have the right to live your fullest sexual life possible. I, I like that. You don't just get to demand it. You don't get no. to say, I, this relationship is monogamous or nothing, or this relationship is swinging or nothing. I mean, you can do that, but you have to mean it. You, <laughs> and you have to agree. Yeah. I mean, you have to agree to it. A, a marriage is, is an agreement. Monogamy has to be an agreement. Like non-monogamy has to be agreement. And so people need to come back to the table and renegotiate the terms of their relationship. And, you know, some couples may decide they can't be married anymore. Right. And, and I, it's interesting because sometimes divorce is the best outcome. Right. Because if you're, if you're that far off of each other, then you're only going to make each other miserable if you stay together. You know, right. if I'm going to, if, if I, if I want, if I want freedom then, and then, and I just go take it, I'm going to torture you by that. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I don't, if I don't fulfill my life and you, you get your way and I don't, I might torture you because I'm mad at you, you know? Right. I mean, it, n- neither way is going to work. That's not what marriage is. It's not about controlling the other person. It's about supporting each other to live your fullest life. That, that makes perfect sense to me. And I think uh, most people can find some middle ground. Most people, if you want to be compatible, will find the space between monogamy and total openness, right? Which is right. where most of us exist. Right. So I, lo- but there I are- love, your, love your talk on monogamish. I mean, <laughs> it really is that's such a great word because, yeah, I mean, we know a lot of people who, are in, who say that they're in um, an open relationship but really only one of them is ah you know and and it has to be it it, you know you have to have it you want to have integrity in a relationship because Mm -hmm. your relationship really needs to be your safe most wonderful part of your life and if it's not fulfilling the needs of both people then it's not a relationship it's a dictatorship right you need that secure foundation not just a safe haven but a foundation to know that you've built a relationship that is strong enough to make it work right yeah it's it's a launching pad you know i mean it's where where we both get to launch and fall back on to to live to live out our own dreams yeah and, and life's if, short <laughs> life, life is. is too short to say yes. it is to settle for medio mediocrity in relationships in love in life in sex even Right. And I, I think about, you know, when you're, when you love someone, how awful does it feel to know that you're keeping them from living the life that they dream of? That, that's I, an, yeah, that's an important perspective to consider. Yeah. I can't imagine that that's going to feel very good to your heart that, that you know, and you can't make someone want something different. 
that that too it, it's it's interesting um some consensually non-monogamous people poly people for example considered it a part of their sexual identity it's not something so much that they've cho- chosen they feel it's something that they are and I, that's another topic of course in and of itself but to put uh, limits on your partner and to stifle their desires is a very scary thing just as scary as manipulate i mean manipulating them in any direction because we started from the i want to convince my partner to do this but you don't you shouldn't have to convince your partner to be monogamous and you shouldn't have to convince your partner otherwise so it really is as you said a conversation yes lots of them <laughs> well thank you for this conversation and i'm excited you have a lot coming up you mentioned that you're going to be in jamaica at the end of June for yes. the exotic lifestyle retreat for women and the men who adore them. And then you're heading to Naughty and Nolens next month. Yes. I'll be teaching some seminars. Uh, I'm putting together my list now. I've revised it a little bit, but I might be doing some fun things like um, sexuality through life phases. Okay. A lot of people need to know the natural progression of our sexuality as we mature. Okay. And for, I hope for men too, because I just saw a study yes. today suggesting that men don't anticipate their sex drive to fluctuate. And because <laughs> they expect it to stay the same, it's actually more distressful and more difficult to overcome the challenges they face. Because yeah. women, we, we know that our sex, well, we've been told our sex drive will fluctuate. Right. Um, so I hope that's for men too. So people Absolutely. can find you on Instagram. You have exotic lifestyle events. Mm-hmm. You're on LinkedIn, you're on Facebook, Dr. Nancy CEO. Make sure you find Dr. Nancy on Facebook because she has she hosts some very interesting discussions that I don't always have the emotional bandwidth to do myself, <laughs> but I'm very happy you're doing it. Yeah. I I I, li- I love learning about human behavior and human thought process. It, it 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 infuriates me at times, but it also totally fascinates me. So I'm well, I'm out there doing it for us. Yes. And I know you have, you have a good perspective on life and on people and on not taking things as personally. So I learn from that. I draw from that. Thank you so, so much for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. It was lovely. All right. Safe travels to Jamaica. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. This is a really important topic, regardless of whether you're monogamous or consensually non-monogamous or monogamous or somewhere else in between, Because this question applies to sexual desires and sexual discrepancies across the board, not just swinging. Uh, Maybe you have a kink that your partner isn't into and you'd like them to talk about or consider or try. Perhaps you have a fantasy you want to explore and you don't know how to bring it up. Or maybe... You and your partner simply cannot agree on what you want to do in bed or how often you intend to do it. And Dr. Nancy's advice at at its core is really essential. You have to learn to communicate openly and create a safe environment to share your most vulnerable feelings and thoughts, not just when it comes to sex, but also as it pertains to your daily interactions. So that's the first takeaway I'd like you to consider. I want you to ask yourself whether you feel really safe opening up to your partner. And if not, you need to work on this. You need to make changes and ask your partner 
to adjust their behavior in order to support you in feeling safe to express how you feel and what you want. And then, of course, you need to ask yourself whether you cultivate that safe space for your partner. And don't just say yes, okay? Don't assume the best of yourself. (laughs) None of us does this effectively 100%. So look for ways in which you can do better to really make your partner feel safe and honored and respected to open up because everybody claims they're a great communicator. But communication is as much about the environment you create for your partner and for those around you if you're not in a relationship. I know that, for example, I need to work, I know what I need to work on. I need to work on my body language and my facial expressions when I'm talking to Brandon uh, about more intense topics and even when we're disagreeing. And more importantly, when he's talking to me, I think that I could be Uh, I could be warmer sometimes, and I know that when I feel tired or when I feel emotionally drained, which is, you know, fairly often doing the work that I do, I'm not as warm as I should be, and I, I don't think I necessarily say things that make him feel unsafe or disrespected or judged. I mean, I don't think I do. I'm sure I do at times, but overall I don't, but I know that I convey my impatience and frustration, and I'm sure even judgment with my body, (laughs) my body language and my eyes. And, you know, I have a face that can speak a thousand words when it's in the mood. And I know I can do better. Um, I'm thinking of a recent interaction in particular. And now that I've kind of identified it in my mind and said it out loud to you, (laughs) I know that I'm going to pay more attention and make adjustments moving forward. And it's really not that complicated, but I have to make these changes in order to make sure he feels like he can come to me and tell me what he really thinks and tell me what he not want, tell me what he wants, not just when it comes to sex, but when it comes to life and business and our daily living situation, our family and more. So I use the word safe, and I think you might think safety is just about not being abusive or cruel, but I think it's more than that. And if you, if you want to be able to talk about sex, you have to make the daily conversations really judgment-free. And this is a difficult thing to do. I, I always think about how people frame their relationships when they describe them. So if you say, your partner clams up or your partner won't talk about a topic. Remember that what you're missing here is two important words, with you. Your partner won't talk about sex, with you. Your partner gets nervous talking about these topics, with you. And when you add that suffix, I guess not a suffix, but those two words, with you, You remind yourself that you play a role in the way they react to or withdraw from a conversation, too. It's not a one-way street. Um, We have a tendency to want to believe we're perfect. I mean, it's a self-preservation mechanism, but you're not. And your your partner's problems are also your problems. And I'm always wary when one person from a couple calls or emails to tell me about the situation they're in 
and they either completely blame their partner, uh, which is not uncommon, or they completely blame themselves. They take 100% of responsibility for the problems that exist in their relationship. And this is a real red flag to me. Oftentimes, I can tell their partner has said to them, you need help. You need to fix this. You need to go to counseling. You've got this problem. You've got to work on yourself. And it never exists as a one-way street. So, so think about this for yourself, and I'll be working on it too. And I want to leave you with a few thoughts on the original question of how do I convince my partner to do something new, sexually speaking. And I'm going to change the language from convince to introduce or propose. How do I propose swinging? Or how do I propose any activity and bring it up to my partner? So whether you want to talk about swinging or you want to introduce something else that's new, um, I have a couple of suggestions. The first is when you approach your partner with something new, don't ask a simple yes or no question. As in, hey, do you want to swing? (laughs) Instead, ask about the topic in general. I, I suggest you say something like, how do you feel about visiting a sex dungeon? Or how do you feel about watching a live sex show? Or how do you feel about being tied up and gagged? I I think it's a powerful question that is open-ended enough to hopefully encourage them to open up a little bit and keep the conversation going. And again, if they clam up, remember they're clamming up with you. So it's your role too. It's not just some fault or deficit in your partner. So that's the, f- the first suggestion. And then the second is, before you go to your partner to talk about a topic, discuss it with yourself first, whether it's in your head or writing it down on paper. And what I suggest is if you have a fantasy or something you'd like to try, focus on the erotic thrill itself and identify what really turns you on about it. So in the case of this listener who wants to swing, you know, consider some of these questions like, is it the risk that turns you on? Is it the taboo nature of breaking what we consider traditional relationship norms? Is it the attention you might receive from others that turns you on? Is it the erotic energy at the parties or the events? Is it the variety? Is it the excitement of something new? Is it being sexual with other people in the room that's so thrilling? And can you talk about a specific fantasy once you've considered these questions instead of something broad that might encourage them to assume the worst as their imagination runs wild? So like just the term swinging might trigger a not-so-positive reaction, but if you can talk about something more specific because you've already examined the underlying erotic thrill and you can break it down, I think that can help to propel the conversation in a more constructive manner. And that takes us to the third and, and final suggestion, which is once you've identified what turns you on about swinging or about another sexual activity, with specificity, then you can consider how you break it down into manageable pieces and just try a part of it or incorporate 
a thematic element. Maybe you talk it through as part of a fantasy, just the two of you, or maybe you're watching porn that depicts this sex act, or maybe you visit an environment together where you might, I don't know, observe or talk about the fantasy, but also agree just to enjoy the energy and not participate. And Nancy, Dr. Nancy said this, you need to break it into small steps. And, you know, it's important to note that couples disagree on their sexual needs, their sexual desires, their sexual fantasies all the time, every single couple without exception, and they still have happy relationships and hot sex lives because they find some middle ground. They find ways to break off chunks of their desires or fantasies so that they're both true to their own desires, but also respectful and mindful of their partner's boundaries. And it really is doable if not only you're willing to talk openly, that's just a tiny part of the equation, but the difficult part and the part that you need to work on is if you create a space where you can talk about these things free from judgment. And success and fulfillment usually arise when you start taking responsibility for your own self. If you blame your partner for holding back or holding you back from something, you'll never overcome it or get what you want. But when you look at your role in whether your sex life is great, whether your relationship is good and, what it, and whether your relationship is lacking, when you look at your own role and make your own changes in terms of the way you think and behave, that's when you make more progress. So I'm going to leave it at that. I hope I've left you with something to think about. And and just as importantly, I hope you feel motivated to make some even small behavioral change today or tomorrow to be a better partner or to be a better friend and have more fulfilling and open and safe relationships. After all of this, I know I'm feeling a little fresh uh, and motivated at this moment myself. So it's time for me to act on it as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you follow along on Instagram at Sex with Dr. Jess. And be sure to holler at us if you have questions or topics you'd like us to address on an upcoming episode. Have a great weekend or week wherever you are. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.